There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in QFTA Tim McKernan Show podcast from the Longo Big Studios. Timothy Michael McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. Jackson, second straight week of going live on YouTube, youtube.com slash TMASTL. See, we're approaching 5,000 subscribers. Haven't really pushed it, but hey, yeah, we're that's right nice. Uh, so what, we're 80 subscribers away, I guess, looks like. Uh, come on in. The water is warm, and you can participate in the conversation uh, at youtube.com slash T-M-A-S-T-L as the festivities are underway here with QFTA. And I posted on the uh, TMA fan page, which is on Facebook. You can type in TMA fan page. It's on Facebook. And uh, asked uh, people, I said, well, let them know we're going to go live on YouTube and uh, got their questions. And I got to tell you something. I included a picture of John Mazalak doing pull-ups. Eli Drinkwitz dressed up as Darth Vader after beating Florida in 2021. And some Florida State female fans dressed as cowboys. And Ella Reese. Mm. And I think that's led to just a wonderful amount of engagement for uh, for the thread. Yeah, it's got the people going. Ella Reese, thoughts? Uh, strong, very strong. You're uh, a Sky Bree guy, though. She is also gorgeous, very gorgeous. Ella Reese, <laughs> sound like Trump there. Very gorgeous. Everyone knows she's gorgeous. Um, but the uh, the <clears throat> Ella Reese thing. I've often joked that I know I'm on the TMA Instagram when I see the stories at the top. And She's Ella, very active. Ella Reese Baby is the first one I see because I do not personally follow her on my account. But the TMA account does. A, a, a proud And follower. she's a big TMA fan. I think so. Uh, that's why I think she's, she's from Milwaukee or Green Bay. So really? we, we're starting to play well there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, the farm system. The Midwest yeah. is so strong in that regard. But, yeah, she is an often poster of her story. A lot of times just the Apple Watch, and honestly, can miss me with that. But, hey. Yeah, I hate that. Kind of flex. Uh, it's uh, brought to you by Longo Biggs. Longo Biggs, online at longobiggs.com. Uh, that's CD and Doug, TMA listeners, and also Tim McKernan Show podcast listeners. I don't know if they're Balloon Party listeners or not. I don't know, but I know they're TMA and Tim McKernan Show listeners. Uh, studio sponsors here. They're online at longobigs.com. Also, the great James Carlton. I absolutely know he's a loyal listener, uh, and he's all fired up about the Fighting Tigers. He's online at carltoninsurance.net with 347 five-star reviews on Google. Also, the great Mark Hanna, who's certainly a loyal listener. Like James, he comes into studio on TMA. He's online at evergreenstl.com. This number is 314-889-0503. He's right by Grassi's. Mm. What can you what can argue with there? And uh, then uh, also Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, who usually does homes, but he did Iggy's apartment this week. Very nice. So maybe that maybe he's expanding his coverage. Designairservice.com, official HVAC provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Uh, and then also... Finally, Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Munganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota Online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. Those are the sponsors 
of the Tim McKernan Show podcast, and uh, we're now doing it on uh, YouTube. Oh, Don Peepee's in on this. Oh, wow. I like that Danny Daniels, Scarlett. Your thoughts, Tim? What? Are you familiar with Danny Daniels? No. No. Sounds like a name that's involved in uh, the industry. If Alabama, Washington, Michigan, and Texas are your college football playoff. Yeah. And if Ella Reese is at that level, and of course she is, that's objective. No doubt. Danny Daniels is probably playing in the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl. Got it. All right. Well, still very deserving. So absolutely. Great year, but not Ella Reese. Okay. But I respect, hey, I'm a, I'm a Missouri fan. Cotton Bowl, wonderful. Uh, yeah, so the people are asking questions in there, and that's great. You can ask questions as we go through some of the emails and also on the TMA fan page on Facebook. If you haven't joined that, feel free to do so. Uh, and the questions that came in. So let me see. There was there were a couple that I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a whole episode. Uh, not a question, but Eli Drinkwitz did an interview with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks of the Move the Sticks podcast going behind the scenes of the 2023 seasons. Uh, 2023 season. Thought you might find it interesting. Yeah, I will take a listen. If you listen to that, Jackson. No. All right. Uh, this is for you, Jackson. Would Jackson be interested in doing a five-minute recap of the Mizzou basketball game that he watches for us and calling it the Jackson Five? Uh, I would be interested. Love the name. I don't know if people would be interested. Well, you can, so you can be your own passion project. All right. I would do it for not just Mizzou basketball, though. I would do it for basketball. Once you do it, though, this is, this is some fatherly advice. I guess I could be your father, couldn't I? Yeah, I guess I could be. I mean, in certain parts of the area. Once you do it, you got to stick with it. Yeah, just like, just like uh, the Propecia. Yes. Think of the podcast as Propecia. Yeah, well... Probation has already yielded me such great results. So realize when you're 85, you're going to be doing this podcast. If I can talk hoop rock until I'm 85 years old, that's a life well spent. And like Propecia, you might not necessarily receive money for it. Yeah, well, that's uh, part of the grind. You got to shoot to score. Okay. The so it's got to be, it's a passion project. One for me, one for them. Yeah, Medellin. Medellin, yeah. Well, all right. I'd love to do that's it. All, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'd love to do it. I'm just basketball in general. That's, what I, that's my passion. Uh, how about Brian Henschen, Colts beat writer? What got you interested in slash started with journalism, Tim? Would love to hear your origin story. Uh, and then a gentleman follows up under Brian Henschen's question. On a similar path, I was wondering what about the origination of the morning grind? Happy to answer those questions. The journalism thing was actually a mistake. Mm. Morning grind wasn't. I never expected this to turn into what it has, but the journalism thing, majoring in journalism. I, what did you made? What you major in? Your, Sport management. Okay. Originally PGA. But you didn't manage in communications or anything like no, that. Nope. I don't know why. I guess I've done a number of things in my life where I'm like, oh, I know, and then I found out, oh God, I didn't know, and then the mistakes were so obvious. One that I've cited often is selling equity and in inside STL. Uh, when, like, what would I do now? Knowing what inside, like, sound story requires capital. I mean, I could do it, but I'd be risking, like, my family and my home if I were to do it. Uh, as far as, you know, hiring people we've hired for sound story and, and advertising and markets beyond St. Louis and so on. So that requires capital. That's a different deal. Inside STL didn't have much overhead. So I could have, even though that was 2005, and I certainly didn't have much then, 
uh, I could have just gone, oh, I can go to the bank and get, you know, I mean, they were giving money away, hence the big short in yeah. 2008. Um, I could have gotten whatever, $50,000 line of credit and not sold equity. Um, but I was, the way that that started was I was flying back from spring training with selling equity with Jim Edmonds and producer Joe in February of 2006 when his son Landon was being born and Edmonds out of nowhere. I don't even know. I still don't know where this was. This, he might not even remember it himself, but it's how it happened. I certainly, it didn't even cross my mind to sell a part of a business. And he said, I like what you have going on with Inside STL. I'd like to buy part of that. And I'm like... Oh, okay, well, sure. And then, you know, then and then the way I just, you know, it was just, so I would never do that now. I mean, the way that the sound story seed round of funding for real. And I would imagine there's maybe, you know, the people who listen to this podcast have probably done something like that. But honestly, this time last year, I don't even know, I guess I'd heard the term seed round, you know, make whatever double entendre joke you would like about a gangbang. If you would like to do it, please do. But essentially, someone going out and raising capital for a startup, and even though SoundStory wasn't a startup, its its proof of performance was really limited to last year in November and December. Um, and bringing on Mark Montavani and hiring a general manager and, 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 I guess, pitching it, for lack of a better term, to investors, it's just not something I had done. The businesses I had started, I had just done on my own. When you're raising capital, it's a different deal, and that's it's a whole process. And to bring in... You know the monster law firms and I just I think I'm relatively intelligent, but being on those calls and being completely lost in May, June, July, August, uh, September was uh, was a humbling experience. And I realize you hire these lawyers and these accountants to make sure that you have the right, especially when you're going to that that direction. Um, you do it to make sure that it's done right. But, you know, here I am at 47 years old and I, you know, I had, I had no clue. But hey, if you major in journalism, you're going to, you're not going to really learn about marketable job skills or, you know, how people really, 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 really make money. And that is oftentimes how, how it goes, or at least how people get their start and their, you know, nest egg, so to speak, although the nest egg can be a monster. And then they go out and, and uh, buy up other businesses or start other businesses. And that's just something that I had not done. Inside STL was something I started. Sound Story was something I started. The thing I did with Dan McLaughlin in 2018 was something Dan and I started. Um, this, this was different. So that was by accident. And that's the same thing with, with journalism school. I wanted to call Cardinal Games and was like, oh, Missouri Journalism School. I don't know how many people, though, go to journalism school to be a play-by-play person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like looking back on it, and it's almost been, I guess, 30 years since I made the decision to go to Missouri. In part, I went to Missouri because I was the oldest of four. And, you know, contrary to whatever, you know, some fucksticks want to say, I did not grow up. I, I mean, I, you know, if you really think that I grew up with a bunch of money, it's, be my guess. I don't really give a shit. I wish you were right. Um, but, you know, it's not like we were poor. I want to make that clear. But it's also, it wasn't, it wasn't Ledoux living. And not, I'm not doing that. I, I, I know you. your situation wasn't really Ledoux living. Um, but I was the oldest of four. And my dad had left KPLR, really wasn't working. He was running a laundromat in Melville. 
okay? And I had a two-year-old sister. Well, I'm not going to, you know, we looked at Indiana, we looked at Miami, Ohio, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to put my parents through that tuition when I could go 125 miles down the road and do the same thing. But in reality, I probably should not have majored in journalism. I should have majored in communications. Mm -hmm. And so the thing about the journalism school at Missouri, and you didn't major in it, so I don't know if it's changed. First off, I just, if you're doing it, really have a plan B. I'm not saying not to do it because it obviously, it can work out, but it just, it's so, it's so rare. And you can be incredible at it and it still be a really tough way to make a living. Tough not because it's hard per se, although it can be, but just financially, it gets to a point. Like it might be fun in your 20s and 30s, but when you got to support a family and you're making jack shit, you know, at some point, somebody, your wife or your in-laws or maybe your parents go, hey, man, you know, college is over. You got to provide, provide for some fuckers. So anyway, uh, I major in journalism. And the thing about journalism at Missouri, you got to get into the school your junior year. So you're kind of pot committed by majoring in it and not knowing if you can do it until your junior year when you stand in front of a camera, if you, at least if you're in the broadcast sequence. And some people can do it and some people can't. Now, I'd much rather be able to have an MBA than stand in front of a camera and talk with vocal inflection and facial expression, but it's something that I was able to do. But my first day at journalism school, I recall the professor, Don Ranley was his name, and he was on this high horse shit that alienates most of the country when journalists talk. Uh, talking with a dialect I've never heard. It was like a combination of British and New York. Uh, now, any of you who think you're in this school for some kind of jock talk sports, I suggest you get up and go over to the communications school. And I'm going, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, what am I doing here? Right. But the communications school, I think, was probably better for play-by-play. -play. Honestly, Lindenwood probably was better for play-by-play. And I could really have saved my family some money by not, you know, going away for school, albeit two hours away, because I didn't care about going away for school. That wasn't some big thing for me. Um, so then I wound up anchoring, and it worked, but I'm like, I don't want to go into local news. I had no interest in local news. It's not like I went to local news, and I'm like, oh, good, I'm, I can get a job. I'll make a bunch of money. I didn't know one way or the other. I wanted to be play-by-play. -play. I wanted to call Cardinal games. And I would have been willing to grind in minor league baseball for a decade to get the Cardinal job. Still, even now, I still would love to do that. I'm not necessarily looking to do it, but I still would love to do it. Uh, whereas I have no interest in calling play-by-play -play for anything else or any other team because it just kind of comes naturally to me from my mind, and I think I could do a good job at it. But I majored in the wrong thing. So I did it, and it worked out, but I really did it by mistake. It was not a love of journalism. Um, it was thinking that journalism was play-by-play, -play, when in reality it wasn't. And for whatever reason, Stacy Wolfel, who was the news director at KOMU, I just would skip my news shifts. Everybody had to do news shifts. I'm sure Gabe DeArmond, who our audience has become familiar with from PowerMizzou.com, and we were in the same class, I'm sure he did his news shifts. I just didn't go. I'm like, I don't fucking want to do this, so I don't care. Give me a bad grade. I don't really care if I graduate. It doesn't matter. I know it in my mind. It's talking about knowing and maybe wrong. In this case, I knew and I was right. I knew for what I wanted to do, it didn't matter if I graduated. Right. I knew, even though I didn't really know, but as it turns out, I did. I was right. That all that would matter would be my resume reel. Or at the time, we called it a tape because it was a VHS tape. And 
I was told that the news directors who hire people at TV stations would just look at the first 10 or 12 seconds. And I'm like, there's no way. And now that I've hired people, I know that there are tells within the first couple I've hired you. A uh, couple lines of an email where I'm like, okay, this person's alive or this person's dead right away. They don't even know they're dead, you know. Right. And so that's how – and sometimes they just want to hire a certain background, a certain gender. Mm-hmm. And I don't go, that's wrong. That's the way that it is and it's fine. So uh, it was it was um, a choice to just go, I'm going to do sports and if you don't like it, I'm not going to – and they let me do that. I don't know why. I think maybe they saw that I might be be able to do it, and they're like, "Okay, this guy's a fuck off. We're not going to announce he's going to let we're going to let him do it, but we're going to he's he's not going to have to go cover city council meetings and, and shoot like you know squirrels today in the woods. He's just going to get to do his fuck off thing, and because we think it might wind up working out for him, you know. But I look back on that, and I go, he could have said, "Hey, you got to be out here, and you got to shoot just like everybody else does." And they let me do my own thing, and I'm incredibly grateful for that because, really, they shouldn't have, you know, I, I, I got a break. And it's not like I had friends there. They didn't know who the hell I was. Most of the people who go to that school are not from Missouri. Right, 100%. You know, Gabe and I were rare, and Michelle Turner, who's now in, in Entertainment Tonight, was in our class, um, and she was from Columbia. But I think it was, the three of us were the only ones from Missouri. Yeah, all my friends who did journalism. Were out of state? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, but you say that about the city council, but my, my favorite story from you, one of my favorite stories from you, is the city council meeting you did go and shoot with the uh, salt shaker transition, or what, what was it? Uh, Brian Nooner, who still, I mean, he was texting me this morning. He yeah. was the sports director. Chris Gervino took over for him, but that's who taught me and Gabe DeArmond guy named Brian Terry who worked at MTV and a guy named Alan Robison who's still at the Golf Channel. So that was the class. The class was four people, and I guess we all wound up doing okay. Uh, but he was our teacher, and he's also the sports director. So to be like the equivalent of like, you know, I don't, I don't know who are sports – Martin Kilcoin being your teacher. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and I looked at him as like an older guy, but he was only in his mid-30s. Mm-hmm. But when you're 22, mid-30s, right. seems Everyone. like you're an older yeah. guy. Yeah. And he would sit there and he would watch the student news and he would just kind of make comments like shredding it, (laughs) but like not on the air, like just in the back in the sports office, which our sports office was maybe smaller than this studio. And we're all back there. I mean, can you imagine me and gay? I mean, me like a different guy, me too, not dad me. Like (laughs) I'm out and I'm drinking six or seven nights, not because I have a problem because I wanted to. And I was enjoying myself. Uh, and Gabe, I guess, was really committed to it and into it, and I was just kind of like the black sheep, but I, I welcomed the, the hate, I guess. It was like a badge of honor when I'd come off the anchor desk and there'd be old ladies waiting to yell at me, hey, you have calls on line two and three, and I'd be like, this is great, because I don't want them. Yeah. Fuck them. It's not who I'm, not who I'm doing this for. Uh, and then Brian Nooner, and then there were a couple other guys, and... I had to do one of those city council things, and it just absolutely mailed it in. And, and one of the things when you're shooting video, if you watch it, and God help you if you're watching local news in 2023, but if you are, you know, there's transitional videos. They don't just go from, like, a sound bite to then, like, that person doing something. Right. They have to have either a dissolve edit or what they call a cutaway. And so <laughs> I went and shot video of some fuckstick city council meeting in Columbia and I had nothing for the cut- cutaway. <laughs> and why I shot a salt shaker is beyond me. I'd love to do a 30 for 30 on shooting the salt shaker, much less the fact that I used it as a cutaway. <laughs> 
Like, I imagine it's the first thing oh you saw. You're like, shit, I need a cutaway shot. So. No, I probably was scrolling through the video because it wasn't on a laptop at that time. Yeah, right. It was manual. And so I'm scrolling through and I'm like, I need a cutaway. Just got to get this fucking thing done. Right. And I'm like, oh, good. There's not that person. And for whatever reason, I shot a salt shaker. My guess, honestly, is to do something called white balancing. God, what percentage of the people listening to this will know what that is. That's so the video wouldn't be blue. You had to yeah. shoot something that's yeah. white mm-hmm. to then get the proper color. Right. And I'm like, oh, there's salt. I'll shoot that. And I used it as a cutaway. And then Nooner, <laughs> just casually, that's what made it so good. He goes, oh, nice. Left the tripod in the car. I can tell there. In other words, because the video is shaky. And I'm yeah, like, right, right. And he goes, oh, nice salt shaker cutaway. That's perfect. <laughs> So uh, and then the fact that it was the colonel, who is the same guy mm-hmm. in 2023 as he was in 1998-99, was like the guy I was working with. And I'm like I'm like more the guy when, I, when we started the morning grind in 2004, like bouncing up for real, sleeping until one in the afternoon, having some fun in a variety of different ways, and just like fucking off. Like probably as free and as happy professionally as I've ever been just because I'm like, you know, this is great. I'm clearly, it's working and you know, it's fun. You don't care because you don't have expenses. Right. And and we just didn't give a shit. And uh, funny thing is, it was the last time Missouri played Ohio State, 1998. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were alive to win the Big 12, which is insane to think. But I get done and then with school and they're like, well, I, I, I don't think he'll mind me saying this. Gabe's first job. I want to drive this home. This is really more of a cautionary tale. This is Chris Rock, keep your daughters off the pole. Mm-hmm. This is me to everybody, keep your kids out of journalism school. The colonel's first job, and this isn't that long ago, was $12,000 as a sports director Jesus. in Rapid City, South Dakota, wow. or Sioux Falls. I don't know which one it was. It was someplace in South Dakota. Oof. And then I remember... Either Gabe or his news director called me. Maybe he was making 16, and maybe my offer was 12. Either way. They go, hey, we're looking for a weekend guy, and Gabe speaks highly of you. Would you like to come up here and be his weekend guy? And I remember, God, there was something here relatively recently where I was asked to do something, like as an offer, and I go, ah, no. (laughs) And that's how I handle it. I think the news director was just like, the fuck because in, in that business there are so few jobs and so right. many people who want them yeah. that it's it's weird when they get turned down yeah. but i'm just like yeah i'm not and i'm not doing that so i would t- i turned a bunch of jobs down in between december of 98 and june of 99 until nooner who was the sports director kind of like had a it was almost like the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon scene in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. You know? I don't want to see you here every Right. Day. It was kind of like, hey, you know, there are a bunch of people here who are dying for a job offer. And you're sitting here, and I'm paying you minimum wage, and you love going to Quentin's right. and doing what you're doing, you know, banging anchors <laughs> and drinking. Right. But you're, you're, you know, you're going to have to go somewhere else, and you can, and you need to. And I know you want to work in St. Louis, but you're not probably going to get hired in St. Because in 1998, 99, you weren't just going from college right. to St. Louis. Now it looks like I think everybody goes from maybe high school to St. Louis. Because you're going to have to go somewhere. And so I finally got down to Little Rock or Monterey. Those were the two choices at that time. And um, I actually had Fayetteville, Arkansas. But I got Little Rock, and I'm like, Little Rock's market 57, so that's huge. Fayetteville's like market 120. And then Monterey, but it's fucking Monterey. I mean, that's Pebble Beach. But I think that was going to pay 26000 
and that's like 10000 in St. Louis dollars. I mean, 26000 in in Monterey, perhaps one of the most expensive zip codes in the country. I mean, Beverly Hills, I'm sure Manhattan's got some. Uh, maybe some South Florida, Palm Beach. Monterey's about as big as it gets. And And I remember asking the news director, who initially hated me, and I think it's because, again, this is the lack of self-awareness. I sent him my tape, and you would overnight the tape, the VHS tape. And it sounds like I grew up, like, you know, in the James K. Polk administration. And I think I emailed him going, hey, have you had a chance to look at my tape? I got to make a decision. And that is not the way. <laughs> Usually these news directors are, like, probably, like, a few years older than you are now. And they think that they're running shit. So to have some asshole in Columbia, Missouri go, hey... You know, yeah. I'm out here and available. I know you got the tape three hours ago, but what's your fucking decision? And and he, I think he reached out to Stacy Wolf, the news director, and maybe Nooner, because he went to he went to the University of Missouri Journalism School. But now he's the news director, and go and he said something along the lines. But I hope this is taken for what it is. I'm certainly bragging about my fucking local news abilities. He goes, "Hey, this this kid's good." But, I mean, is he a real asshole or something? Because what is that? He goes, I want to hire him, but what, what is he doing? Like, kind of telling me I need to make a decision. <laughs> and I look back on it, I go, what the fuck? Like, if my son were older and he were in that spot, I think I'd have him, like, up against the wall going, the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. And this is me at 22. Yeah. And I... Uh, and I had the choice, and I remember I talked to Malcolm Briggs and to Chris Trevino and to Brian Nooner, and I know some of these names mean nothing to people, but if you're a little older, you'll remember my, probably Frank Cusimano. And all of them kind of had, you know, they kind of hemmed and hawed and treated me like, like they would their son and gave me their real, like, do I go to Monterey or to Little Rock? And then I remember Rich Gould in the press box, who I'd interned for the summer beforehand. And I said, Rich, here's the situation I got. You know, I got this opportunity in Monterey, but it's $26,000, which is like $10,000 in St. Louis. Plus, I think the news director thinks I'm a real dick, and he was right, too. And then Little Rock, but I wouldn't have a contract there, and I kind of like that. Because in my mind, I'm like, I can get the fuck out of there Freedom. as soon as I, yeah. yeah. And then I think in Monterey, I would have had a two-year deal, and then probably a non-compete, some fucking stupid thing. And he goes, Junior. He goes, I must have done a terrible job in your internship because if you're thinking about going to fucking Arkansas instead of the most beautiful place in the mainland of the United States, then you're fucked in the head. <laughs> so God, Rich, Gould. Rich Gould said go to Monterey. I, uh, I decided on Little Rock. Certainly would have been, you would talk about sliding doors moments. Yeah, that's a big one. Like I probably never come back to St. Louis if right. I go to Monterey. I'm probably working in California or something like that. Not to say that that's good or bad, just like I probably would have gone in Monterey being close to San Francisco, probably would have gone up the coast a little bit and worked there, and who knows. But I don't care. It's a bad business. Like, you look at ESPN now, and I don't know. Van Pelt, I'm sure, makes well into the seven figures. But, and I'm not saying you got to make a million a year in order for it to be worth it, but living in Connecticut, it you know, it's a different deal than living in St. Louis. I don't know who's left who is anchoring on ESPN making a million year. Oh, outside of SVP, I'd be surprised if anyone was. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to think, and I don't really watch yeah, it religiously. Yeah, there are some guys who really annoy me who pop up, but I don't really watch it. And there were plenty of guys who were. And I think that was ESPN's model because yeah. they were getting tired of paying Patrick Olbermann, Stuart Scott, Rich Eisen, Craig Kilborn all this money when they're like, well, anybody can do it. And the answer was, 
Ah, I mean, anybody can read off the prompter, but the talent to make people watch is a, is a skill. Yeah. And, yeah, anybody can read off the prompter if you just want a bunch of replaceable motherfuckers. Right. The SVP had to grind doing radio shows he on did. ESPN for years so he could get that personality out there because that's ultimately what you're – like, if you're going to make that money, if you're going to be irreplaceable, quote-unquote, you kind of need to have that personality that people are attracted to. And SVP, like I said, had to grind. Yeah, he grinded because he's – I didn't realize he's like 57 or 8. Oh, yeah, he was So doing, he, was, he did an interview recently where he was talking about – he's like, yeah, it's time for me to kind of start shutting it down. Right, and he's like just reached this Rubicon. Absolutely, you're you exactly know? right. You're exactly right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going, oh, I wish because I had the opportunity. It just would have been – it's just – and I, I don't even know, and I'm not saying it to mock it because I'm, both Doug and I, if we were to be like – Super honest. We know that we're very lucky mm-hmm. in a major way, um, and it also speaks to Doug that Doug was never fired, yeah, um, ever radio or TV. Never even talked about ever, uh, you know. And that that speaks to his conduct rare, off the air, rare, yeah. and uh, you know also his his ability, um, and which was something I've talked about a lot. And I know you've only worked with him for three years, but he's just like the greatest person to work with but also he's talented but part of the the deal with being in this business is you have an ego it's you don't really but most people who are on air do because you have to have an ego to think people want to hear what you have to say you yeah. know I mean, it's kind of a self-problem you have an ego right yeah. and so um that's why you will see oftentimes people get whacked because they act like fucking nuts behind the scenes and then they go on. Now I guess you go on social media and like do your passive aggressive like my shit. A thread. A thread. Yeah, yeah. Some personal news. Right. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Create a gif of that if you would. All right, Jackson. What else? We had others uh, here. Uh, Jackson Five. You, you're starting a new podcast. We've announced that here. Uh, Brian Henson's question. The origins of the morning grind. I know I did this. I think I did this. Was that episode 500? Was around, that... when we circled around the 500, we did like a... Yeah, an origin. An un, like an unplanned series right. of TMA origins. I'll do stuff. an abbreviate. I hate to say I'll do a brief because then it feels like it's cliff notes and I'm not doing a service to it. But I really like uh, this next question about atheism, so I really want to get to it. Um, but the morning grind was something that actually was, and that was an economic observation. And here we are, 22 years after I made the observation, and I still would tell you, although it's certainly a different landscape because of podcasts now, but I still would tell you, and I think it's incredibly, I don't know what the right word would be, sad or unfortunate, that this is still the show for the younger audience in St. Louis. And what does that say? That, you know, I'm now 47, and it's great that you're 25 and will continue to hire and bring on people who are younger. It's just the, the, the nature of the yeah. situation. Um, but, you know, that there hasn't been somebody come and, for lack of a better term, fill that void. Um, because I think younger people, yeah, you're going to have a younger perspective. And it's great that you're 25. I didn't, you know, recommend you to be hired. I didn't hire you anyway, but recommend you to be hired because of your age. Mm-hmm. Just like, I think this guy's the right guy. Um but the economic observation was I was driving to, I think, the airport to go to the Cardinals Diamondbacks uh, 2001 NLDS, and I was listening to J.C. Corcoran's show. And I don't know. All I know is it was they were talking sports, but they weren't doing the, and coming up, Bob Nightingale joined us thing. 
And that's what St. Louis Sports Talk was, right. and to an extent still is, depending on what you're listening to. And, hey, there's a market for it. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what he was doing was, you know, more my style of, of being a Howard Stern fan of, like, a loose conversation about things. And I recall there was a gentleman who worked at what was Clear Channel, which is now iHeartRadio. And I think he was on the trip that I went on with the Rams to Foxborough that same year. It had to have been. It makes all the sense in the world because the Cardinals played the Diamondbacks in October 2001. The Rams played the Patriots, I believe, in November 2001. And then they would play them two months later in the Super Bowl. Never thinking, by the way, when we were up there that that was a Super Bowl preview at all. And, uh, and I said to this guy, I said, hey, uh, any interest in like a show that's, you know, with younger people? Because I was 23, 4. Um but a sports show. And he goes, I get what you're saying. And I had met this girl out in Scottsdale, not to like, you know, have a relationship with sexually, but she had a personality and she did some radio in Phoenix and she had some edge to her. And, um, I don't know if I was thinking about Martin and the cat at the time, but I was just like, yeah, let's do a show and kind of fuck off and, and talk sports and, and have it be for younger people. Cause younger people aren't going to listen to and I, keep, I use Bob Nightingale all the time, but it was usually just like beat writers. Right. Like we just talked about the, the beat writer for the Oilers because the Blues play the Oilers tonight. Cardinals play the Pirates. We're going to talk about with the Pittsburgh beat. I'm just like, this is just boring. Right. Who's going to listen to this? You're never going to build a business if you're talking to old, vocal, angry fucks. They usually don't have money. No. That's why they're old and angry. <laughs> all due respect. Not anybody listening to this thing anyway. And then secondly... There's a whole community of St. Louis sports fans who don't want to hear this shit. Right. And nobody's doing anything about it. Demand, no supply. Edge, yeah. opportunity. opportunity. You're exactly right. Yep. And he liked it, but, you know, he was corporate and he wasn't thinking that way. And so the only way the morning grind happened was because when I was doing a show with Frank Cusimano and when he would go on vacation or have to do TV shit, uh, I would have Martin, who was older than me, but not much older than me. I don't know what he's, he's maybe eight years to 10 years older than me, I guess. I have no idea. Uh, and the cat, who's also older than me, I guess probably older than Martin. But either way, I mean, we were younger mm-hmm. at the time, and I'm in my 20s. And we just came on, and we kind of found it amusing because it wasn't our main job that Frank's audience hated us. And like, good, fuck off. Kind of similar to when you were in Columbia. Absolutely, because I don't, it's not for you. Right. I don't want you. I don't want to MC something at the MAC. Don't give a shit. You pay me, maybe I will. Probably still won't want to. It's, this is, you're not my crowd. I don't want to be a good Christian. I don't want to be a good boy. I don't want your approval. You're not my fucking people. So you don't like me? That's validation that I'm doing it right. You know? So we're doing this show, and they got all mad, and they tried to insult it by, you know, Frank's show's called The Press Box, and they called it The Sandbox. And we're like, that's great. It's actually pretty good. Surprisingly creative, you know? Uh, and so we called it that. And then KFNS, Greg Marisek's group, ownership group, was selling it because they were killing it, um, billing like, not that it matters because most people have no context for this, but $4 million a year. Bill $4 million a year on that radio station. That's crazy. That is why... My dad deserves a shitload of credit because he was the general sales manager, but also his sales staff um, was sick. And that's why the thing, that's why the Atlanta group wanted to buy it. And then the Atlanta group, which is big league broadcasting, I believe, came in and are like, well, we got to do some things different. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to put those three dumb shits who, who fill in for Frank in morning drive. And um, now Martin was probably making a good amount doing TV 
Cat was probably making more than me, I guess. And then I was making fine money for my age, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like it was, you know, what's right. moved to the Chateau and Huntley money. And they came in and they started paying us, you know, I think all, I don't know what the, I don't know what everybody else was making, but they doubled what I was making from television. And I only had to work seven to 10 yeah. and I, five days a week, no more holidays. And I have fun doing it. No brainer. Sold. But the mindset of St. Louis, and even I would say it was even outside of St. Louis was, oh, he left television, must've gotten fired. What it was like, I mean, if I could show you my tax returns, you'd go, oh, Jesus, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> um, but I would say TV was probably more stable, which is weird to say now. Um, but I left TV, and uh, and so began the morning grind. I guess I left TV six months into the morning grind. Um, but that's how it started, because that new ownership group came in and said, we need a new morning show. And uh, they identified us because we would fill in for Frank. And, uh, you know, and then it, I would say it took off, but it was a fucking disaster at the beginning. Not because the show was bad, but because the audience was so used to a certain style, kind of like us with Balloon Party, um, that they hated it. And then they could tell those guys were thinking about firing us. Now, they denied it to us, but I'm confident in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it started to catch on. It was kind of like the scene in Private Parts where they wanted to fire Howard, not yeah. that I was Howard, but they wanted to fire the group. And then they get the ratings, and they're like, holy shit. And I remember some people on the Rams broadcast team, not Savard, but some of like the engineers and producers, like, hey, we get the ratings. We see what's going on. KFNS never pops in the ratings. You guys are actually getting ratings on that thing. And so all of a sudden, it started. but then they started fucking with people. Firing producer Joe, and yeah, you can't tell the GM to fuck off, but I mean, you know, you, you come to us and let's work it out and suspend him and say, hey, Joe, you can't do that. Most places would fire you, but we got something going here. You're going to be suspended for a week. It'll be optics. You can't do that shit again. Right. You know, and then what'd they do? Pissing Martin off with a long email on a Friday. Martin quits. And then telling me and the cat that they're going to do auditions. And we thought that they really were. And then finding out that the cat was going to get fired. And they were bringing in Bob Fesco, who I had never met. And they destroyed it. They destroyed something that seriously... Hey, God, I mean, Doug is, you know, as we were just talking about, the greatest. Yeah. But for real, had those guys not fucked with it, there is a chance that I would have never met you mm -hmm. and that me, Joe, Martin, and the cat are still doing that show. But they fucked with it, yeah. and that's how it happened. And any, I'll sit down with anybody and hook myself up to a lie detector on any of that stuff. That's what happened, and they fucked with it. And that is essentially how the morning after came to take place because Martin was like, I just don't want to deal with this shit anymore. He was making nice money from TV, uh, and he didn't want to get up early on a regular basis and commit himself to do it. And, uh, and you know, Doug was interested in it and, uh, and, and fortunately came in, and the thing took off, and that was 2007 for the morning after. So there's your uh, origin story. Now let's talk atheism. Ooh. Standard segue. Ah. You still looking for people to piss you off? Yes, <laughs> I am. And good for you, Mike. I don't know if you want your whole uh, name read, uh, for putting your name on it. Yeah, for real. Uh, you are an atheist. You are... Uh, okay. <laughs> you are not convinced by the evidence that there is a God. I've heard you call yourself agnostic, which you also are. But that answers a different question of what you know. And then we get into 
Uh, do you have the fan page up in front of you to read this word? Epistemological. Epistemological. Yeah, I don't know that word. Okay. Circle jerk. I know that one. About can you ever really know anything? But let's not get sidetracked. Calling oneself an agnostic is a cop-out. Atheism answers, I didn't read the whole email, I just knew it was about atheism. But I'm, I'll take shrapnel. Sure. Or what was it called today, shrap metal? That's what uh, it Ken called it. Atheism answers, uh, calling oneself an agnostic is a cop-out. Atheism answers the are you convinced or do you have reasonable belief question. And based on what you've said over the years, the answer is no. So the question for QFTA is, why is it so socially unacceptable to be an atheist, an out-atheist, I guess is what he said there. Why do folks hide that or so often stand for the comfort of theists? Why can't we just normalize not being convinced there is a God? And as always, here's the disclaimer that, yes, if new and better evidence were to be presented, then belief could change, but I ain't holding my breath. Um, yeah, I, I don't... I don't say I'm agnostic to, like, try to be able to appease people. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Yeah. I would imagine those this who This podcast's uh, previous segments are in the evidence. Yeah. I'm not really in the approval uh, yeah, game. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I suppose, um, I really do feel that I'm agnostic. I don't, I mean, I couldn't care less about a label. It doesn't matter to me at all. So you can call me atheist, you can call me agnostic. I, you can also call me Catholic because I was born Catholic, and that's how some people's religions exist. Um, so doesn't really matter to me. Call me whatever you want. From my understanding of the definitions, uh, I am not convinced one way or the other that there is a God or there is not a God. I certainly want there to be a God. I feel like I fall into line. I don't know if you recall the political commentator. I think she's still doing it, but I've withdrawn from politics, mm -hmm. so I don't know. S.E. Cup. I, she was on the show. She was, time. and she did a great interview uh, on the show. I think she was on a couple times. And uh, she was really complimentary of the interview that she did with us. I think she either damned me or emailed me and really enjoyed it. But I think one of the things that got her going was we actually talked about this topic because she was in a unique spot because she she was a Republican agnostic, I think is what she calls herself. And this was a few years ago now, so maybe that's changed. And certainly that is more rare yeah. than being a Democrat agnostic or an agnostic Democrat. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 the best way I can help to try to give an anecdote to explain my perspective is, uh, I recall starting my freshman year at St. Louis U high, which of course has religion classes called theology classes. And, uh, I remember sitting there as the Jesuit was teaching thinking, God, how could anybody not believe there's a God? For real, I remember specifically thinking that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know that person. I'm not mocking that. I just, I can't even possibly imagine thinking that. Although at the same time, in a way, I'm kind of jealous of that person, as weird as that might sound. Um, and then by my senior year, r sitting in theology class, and uh, this wasn't a Jesuit teaching at this time. It was a lay person, as they are called. And going, I can't, how in the world could anybody possibly believe there is a God? And the only thing, and nothing traumatic happened to me in between freshman and senior year, I would tell you that Jesuit education teaches critical thought, mm -hmm. which I would tell you oftentimes is the enemy of dogma. 
it actually probably is <laughs> the, <laughs> the actual it, it, antithesis, the antonym. It's questioning dogma. Right. That's what critical but, thought is. But then at the same time, I would say that if one comes out of questioning faith— still with faith, then their faith is stronger, as opposed to being told that if you beat off, you're going to grow hair on your hands or go blind. Yeah, testing your faith, a loss right. of faith and then testing it, yeah. So those are my classmates who still have their Catholicism, if that was the religion that they had, they're probably much stronger Catholics than those who just were taught that they're going to hell and that the devil is watching them beat off or something, you know? Um, and I recall... Uh, you know, I specifically recall that, and I don't know why. And I don't think that I, I just, I have, I have no remorse, regret. It's just to, I view personally, personally, I know deep down, I hope that there is, I hope that Catholicism is true. My logic tells me it's not. I know that I am in a minority on that in the United States when it comes to Christianity, as are you, as a mm -hmm. Jewish person. Mm -hmm. um, I also know it's something that people will argue tooth and nail about, and yet we're arguing about what really gets down to opinion, which, drawing it to present-day topic, why I was dreading yesterday's show on the college football playoff because you're going to have people argue for Florida State or for Alabama, and all they're doing is arguing their opinion. And honestly, it bores me. It brings in the dumbs, as I said yesterday, or the take Smiths. And with religion, it can really bring in the dumbs, really bring in the dumbs. And the holier-than-thou dumbs, the condescending dumbs, the modern-day Philistines, the people who act in 2023 the absolute opposite way of Jesus Christ in, in the New Testament, mm -hmm. but yet somehow believe that they are cleared by him because they show up at church on Sunday and, you know, vote Republican. Um, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Those are the absolute worst. Yeah. The absolute worst. The absolute worst. I think that they have played a role in the partial downfall of the United States of America, perhaps more than anyone else. Those who have somehow attached their hatred to Jesus Christ, a man who I studied plenty, not necessarily willingly, who certainly did not have the views of the 2023 American version of Christianity. If anything, it's the opposite yeah. of it. But somehow we've got this hijacked American version of Christianity, and it is not the Christianity that I studied at, at St. Gabriel, St. Louis, UI, and the University of Missouri. I studied religion at the University of Missouri as well. Um, but, you know, whatever, the, you know, the train has left the station and me talking about it isn't going to change it, but I'm happy to talk about it, obviously. Um, so call me agnostic, call me atheist, call me Catholic, call me whatever. I don't really care. It's interesting also that some Christians find Catholicism to be the crazy thing. Yeah. Oh, you're aware of that. I didn't know you're aware of that, but yes, that, that's a thing too. Oh yeah. You know, it's not a coincidence that we've only had two Catholic presidents in the United States of America, and not a coincidence we've had how many Jewish presidents? Zero. Yeah. But plenty of Christian ones, haven't we? Whatever. 43. Yeah. 40, 44. <laughs> That's correct. 44. Yeah, whatever went on, the previous one. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just, it is, it is gross. But so many, has anybody ever fought a war thinking God wasn't on their side? Whatever God it is. Right, right. Take your pick. Right. 
and geographically look up the global religions and notice that coincidentally, if you grow up in one particular nation or one particular region, region you happen to have that particular religion. Yep. So are all those people wrong and I happen to be right because I grew up in the United States of America? That strikes me as a great break. Tough break over there in India. Yeah, you exactly, know? yeah. It just... But I know where people are. It, the, the majority of people are. And, and I, here's the thing. They're passionate about it. And I'm not going to change their mind, nor am I really looking to change their mind. Because some of the finest people I've in, encountered in my life are passionate about their faith. And they actually live it. They don't do like the Fox News version of religion, you know, to get votes. They actually live it. And they're passionate about it. So I'm not going to insult them to be like, I know there is not a God because I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm not even sure you're real, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. All I know is I don't know. And I'm real comfortable saying I don't know. So that's it. That's that's. It's not, I say it because it's easy and it's safe. I say it because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see no, no qualms in that. I find religion and mostly, you know, where do we come from? you know, what is the reason we're here to be such a fascinating thought, such a fascinating narrative device in terms of fiction works across. I mean, you can look at any work of fiction, religion or some element of where do we come from is probably going to pop up at some point. It's one of our biggest questions. And I find that to be a fascinating thought. Like, as previously mentioned, I'm a Jewish person. I don't know how much I believe in everything in Judaism, you know, but I do think like, just the idea of it, just the idea of where we come from is so fascinating. You know, I know our bodies have a time period where they're active. You know, the average age is 73 or whatever it is, and our bodies shut down. But I don't know if our consciousness ever does. That's what I find to be so fascinating is like— Well, the key thing you said was, I don't know. And that's, and that's the other thing. No one does. That, and that's the, that's the key thing is like, I, I don't know. And, that, and I, I think a lot of it is just to like— because the idea of death is so brutal. Like the idea of everything you've ever done in your life, literally everything, coming to a, an abrupt ending. I think the tougher thing is thinking about the people you love. Yeah. That's yeah. the tougher thing. And then you'll find that perhaps as a parent, I think, you know, I think, I think that's how, I think that's where I arrived. Um, yeah, that's what I think about now. It's like, oh, me, that's fine. I don't have to get up anymore. You know, that'll be nice. Don't have to deal with, you know, fucking psychos. That, that's not, that isn't bad. But God, you know, my kids. Yeah. That's what I think about. That's a good point, too. That's yeah. what I, that's what, that's the part I think about. Right. That's, that's who I'm living for now. Right. And that's, that's just part of, I think, humanity. If you have children, not to say you have to have children. I was certainly happy, you know, sticking my dick in a bunch of people, uh, you know, for a while and playing poker. It was great. But it just comes with, you know, if you want to call it maturity or regression, I'm not saying, hey, man, you know, you're still fucking in your 70s and having a great time, tip of the cap. But it just depends on what you want and to each, to each their own. I mean, that's just really how I have... I think there are beautiful teachings in what I experienced, which was Catholicism as, as a way to live. And I think other religions, including Islam and Judaism, and probably religions I'm not as familiar with of Asia, uh, would, would have wonderful teachings. But I think the way they're hijacked by governments mm -hmm. or by those who justify their hatred of people or the way they want to impoverish people by using the religion is one of the most grotesque traits of humanity. Yeah, yeah. And it go has been going on for centuries. Yeah, weaponizing religion is really, truly one of the grossest thing in human history. Um, but yeah, I think 
so much, and it always goes back to this, and I'll continue to say it until the day they put me in the ground, is to be curious, not judgmental. And I think so much of that is like learning about other religions and seeing the similarities. I just, I find it so interesting how people think. And so with religion too, like whatever religion you identify, like the idea that you are right and everyone else is wrong. I mean, if we're doing the math, it's probably But you also recognize that the majority of Americans feel that way. Right. 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 But, and I think there's, there's that where they, they think they're right, but are open and very accepting of oh, others. Oh, you're, you're beautifully idealistic. You're I, so wrong, though, I have to tell you that. As we're talking about people who think they're right and wrong, I'm aware of the lack of self-awareness of saying that, but on that particular point, you're wrong. That You're just wrong on that. In the United States of America, there is not a, oh, there's a, you know, it's it's just not the way that it is. No. There, there's a growing number of that, That's but if you of... are passionate about your faith, it's, I, it is not something where you're thinking, oh, well, the Muslims might have it right. You know, yeah. the United States... I think in a, in a strange way is actually trending closer to a theocracy than perhaps it ever has in my life. Mm-hmm. Usually things kind of advance. Mm-hmm. We're regressing, yeah. you know, yeah. we're regressing, you know, God, how dumb is it to have a theocracy? They look and scoff at the people in, in the Middle East going, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends. Right. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, the gentleman who asked the question, Mike, is saying we got sidetracked by whatever that word is, epilistomica. I guess what he's trying to get to the bottom of is why is it socially unacceptable to to say you're atheist. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer it, Mike. I can tell you're really excited about the question. I don't see it that way. I, I don't know. I, and I'm not calling myself. I'm not not calling myself an atheist to like hope to endear myself to people. You know, it's just I I don't view myself as that way because I don't know. I don't know. And that is how I view atheism. Now, if your definition is different or if my definition is incorrect, then so be it. I'll be happy to call myself whatever you would like because I don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. I know what I think and I'm not going to say something just to like appease somebody. Just like I wouldn't say I'm, if somebody asks me, I go, yeah, it's kind of a weird spot. I guess my kids are Lutheran. I mean, I, I say that in sincerity. Because I guess they were baptized, I don't guess, they were baptized Lutheran. Mm -hmm. If my wife and I had 100% our way, and I guess we do, but you also have relationships with parents and in-laws. And you go, okay, we'll have them baptized. And your parents are Lutheran, fine. And that means a lot to them. Then we'll do it. If we don't think it means anything, then... It doesn't mean something if we're doing something. You know what I mean? Right. Like it doesn't mean anything. Right. So it doesn't mean anything to us. But if it means something to you and it makes you happy and it's a zero for us, it's just like an hour and a half out of my day on a Sunday at a Lutheran church. So be it. Because it means nothing to me. I'm not like, oh, good. If something happens, they're going to go to, they won't go to hell now. I'm just like, okay, here's some water. We'll do the Godfather scene and then we'll go home and have some cake. You know, I mean, that's, that's what that was to me. Mm But to them, it meant the world. Yeah. And to my parents, it meant something. But, you know, it was Lutheran. And I'm Catholic, and they're Catholic. But what I, it just, it's, it's, I, so I don't assign meaning to it. As me and my brother, Kevin, who I always thank at the end of the program, um, they're too young to be indoctrinated. Right. So I'm not like, well, I'm sending my 25-year-old to this school when you can start to have critical thought. You know, they're six in one 
you know, I'm like, I think we're safe. Right. I can recall my evolution of thought or what I consider an evolution of thought. And it was between 14 and 17 because I graduated high school at 17. So I, that's when I had my, or I started high school at thir- 13 and 17. So that's why I was thinking one way at 13 and thinking a different way at 17. That's why I always find it so Interesting when the conversation comes up of, well, we shouldn't be teaching our kids sex this young, but we sure assign religion. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, and here's, I think this is probably, you always talk about how your approach to balloon party is the macro thing. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't know Mike well. Um, I know we had lunch one time, uh, and, uh, I, I've seen his posts on TMA fan page on Facebook and Hey, I, I respect how passionate he is about certain causes. And I, I really, I mean, I mean that. That's not just like, let me jerk him off by saying that. I, I know that he is passionate about certain causes. I view it through the lens of, I may have 30 years left. That's 30 more summers. It's 30 more Christmases. And again, I'm like, hey, we're celebrating something that I don't really, you know, you know, was there really a manger and, you know, cows and sheep and right. kings and wise men and all that? You know, if I could, if I could bet it, you know where I'd go. Right. Uh but I don't think of it through, I, I think of it through, okay, there's only so much time left and I've, I have kind of fought a good fight and I don't know if I've necessarily been rewarded for it. And I certainly think fighting a quote unquote good fight in 2023 has a lot of downside that it did in 20 years ago. And my priority now is my family and taking care of that kingdom, so to speak, my wife and my two boys. And I'm not really interested in trying to, to change something on social media or, or picketing or protesting or something like that's not where I am and I'm not saying those who do are wrong but as I have gotten to 47 and now have a family is there something going on no I'm sorry I was no no all is good okay uh I am not interested in in that and 20 years ago I probably was doing it that's just not what I'm interested in and again I'm not saying that if anything I, I respect those who are doing it from altruistic place I think it's become a cottage business to get people fired up about shit and then get people to spend money on your cause um, or to get laws that may benefit your business under the guise of it being for religion or for idealism. But uh, that's where I am. And I absolutely, just like I feel about my agnosticism or atheism or Catholicism or whatever you want to call it, make no apologies for it. Don't care if people like it or don't. And just like how my priority is now taking care of my boys and teaching them what I think is the right way to go about existing and treating people, uh, that's my priority. But if somebody wants to, you know, have these kinds of conversations and, you know, social conversations are their priorities, God bless them. Good for them. And and, Hey, it's just, it's just not where I am. It's just not where I am, but I'm not saying those who are wrong. I just am not. It's also what I have found. It's just, it's the immovable object. Um, you know, and, and so I, 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 any, t- you think if I'm asked, you know, if I am Catholic, uh, I would probably say, yeah, I went to Catholic school. I wouldn't describe myself as, uh, Catholic now at all. I mean, I'd be, tell my parents that, you know, and they, and if anything, I would say they respect it and they really are into it. And I know my wife's parents are super into, I guess you call it Lutheranism, probably should know it since I think my boys are, but it's, it's just not where I am. And, uh, I, 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 abs- I just, I just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just real. It, it, to me, tolerance is acceptance of everything, <laughs> even right. if you don't share the view. Yeah, it can't and be selective I, tolerance. Right. 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, the party of less government, you know, wants to find their way into my bedroom or to my laptop to shut down my ability to play po- poker. I'm going, hold on a second. I thought we were anti-government, but now we're government for the shit that you don't like. I just, I, you know, there's a principle there. And that's where I am. And I don't, I, I really am, I'm super at peace with it and have been for a very long time. And I've found that it's a, a lot easier way. Truly, I've been saying it for a while and I'm surprised it really hasn't shifted and it is, this is a, but I'm sure there's probably a line from, I don't even know, is it what I say, the Torah, the Old Testament, I'm not trying to mock it, Either I, way. I have no idea, Either way. the Quran, whatever Hindus study, respect, any religion, I would imagine oftentimes have beautiful teachings, yeah. and the one from Catholicism, Christianity, love thy neighbor, I really believe in that, treat others how you'd want to be treated, and then also to each their own. Um... And I remember what was a controversial thing back in the 1990s, and now it would be controversial if you felt the other way, which was Dennis Miller, who's become this, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, but I think he's become a conservative talk show host, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he was talking about gay marriage. I think he was talking about gay marriage. And this was the late 1990s. And keep in mind, Barack Obama didn't have his statement in 2012. So this is a while. Right. Uh, and he said, yeah. You know, if if two guys are having sex next door to me, the hell do I care? Right. Like who care? Like who cares? Right. And if I really believe that they're going to be punished because they are going against God's will, then they'll be punished by God, not my business to punish them. And as and as simplistic as that might sound, it stuck with me. I'm just like, yeah, fuck. They're not affecting me in any way. I couldn't care any less. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. Right. So. That's the, the lens through I view the world. And if you find me to be immoral, unlikable, whatever, bring, please. Come one, come all. I'm the statue of liberty of your hatred. Bring it all in. It's well, I welcome it. But that's how I feel. And at least you know how I feel for it. Uh, all right, let me go into the YouTube chat and see what the people are talking about. Daddy be cooking. Started things off, Jackson. Oh, hi, I'm here now. Uh, I like that Danny Daniels. We talked about her. I believe Tim was a fan back around 2016. I think that was in reference to Danny Daniels. Hi, Tim. That's Jake Reynolds. Uh, hi, Jake. The great Andy Hanselman. You're sweet and cute. Just heard Iggy turn a timer on while Tim was talking poker. It was gold. That's from Connor. Yeah, that was uh, that took place this morning on TMA. Uh, what were we talking about? And he started yeah, playing his golf. Strategy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Doug, I'm really interested to hear Greg Vaughn's buddy and what he does. Because Doug's just like, oh, he's a sports fan. And I'm like, he may be a sports fan, but if he truly has gotten to a point where he's making so much money, he doesn't work outside of on DFS. He's got to be a math guy. Or at least you work with someone who's a math guy. Yeah, I mean, I would love to, like, hire one of these guys, but why would one of these guys share that information with me when they can go make the money themselves? I guess I could theoretically play a role in bankrolling them. Right, that's the idea, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't, that actually intrigues me. <laughs> but, um, you know, as somebody who's been bankrolled before via poker, you sometimes don't play what they call optimally if you're if you're playing with somebody else's money. Right, your thought process changes. Yeah, stuff. like if I would have hired a guy and said, okay, we'll do $5,000 worth of rosters on NFL this week, and he's like, oh, fuck, the optimal play is Joe Flacco, and then we lose, he might be like... Right. Fuck, I played Joe Flacco. I shouldn't have played Joe Flacco, you know. You see what I'm saying? Like, you got to 
you got to stick to what the math is telling you. And the math spits these things out. You, you can weigh the percentages of what you value, in it, but I'm getting into such an abstract, boring thing. But I really would be curious. I might just text Greg Vaughn and see what his buddy's background is on it. Uh, so then anyway, I was talking about how I don't think I could become profitable in DFS. Truly profitable. Maybe playing 50-50 games, yes, but the things where you're playing tournaments, I just don't think I could be because it's dominated by math wizards, and I'm just not a math wizard. Uh, and that's what we were talking about, and then Iggy, I, I, I don't know why he played his golf video game into the microphone, but I guess we had been talking about it like three minutes earlier. Yeah. Is that what the, That's my recollection okay. of it. Okay, all right, there you go. Uh, Mr. Licks needs to walk into traffic after that horrendous phone call this What was the focal point of his call this morning? Uh, he usually does a wide variety of topics. Hmm. Uh, didn't like the clip that I played from, uh, or that Kay Adams has mentioned the clip. Cut. Uh, had an opinion about Iggy's cameo in relation to Sound Story spots. Yes, for the record, I have bought, or Sound Story, the company of which I am an owner, has bought advertising on Hubbard in St. Louis and Seattle and Cincinnati and West Palm and Minneapolis and other stations that aren't Hubbard stations. And so I am a paying customer for the record on the off chance that people thought, oh, this was a double standard that Tim gets to do sound story spots and Iggy and the cameo thing is... I don't believe he has bought advertising. Although I want to make this clear, I can't speak to it. I, I do not own any of Iggy's cameo business. No, that's all. But I'm very interested. <laughs> that's very lucrative. Uh, and then uh, then Iggy left, and I think Plus he just dropped the call, and that was uh, that was the extent of Mr. Lix's phone call today. So what a strong start and an even better finish. Uh, Jackson, maybe Yo. you spoke on this the past couple days, and I missed it. If so, I apologize, but my question is, uh, I, I, by the way, I'm reading these without filtering them, sure. so this is high risk. Did you pull? Oh, did you pull? Okay, I, I was thinking this might be. <laughs> did you pull Lisa Ann's move on your date where you got up to go wash your hands? That's from uh, Daddy Be Cooking. Yeah, so I answered this yesterday, and I said I didn't because we had to wait to get a table, and I thought, kind of judging the situation, I didn't want to be like, as soon as we finally got a table, like, okay, now I'm going to leave for a couple of minutes and go wash my hands after, like, we had hugged and talked and... Uh, it just would have felt like that's not me personally. I don't. I get where Lisa Ann's coming from with the move. I just felt out the situation and didn't think it. Here's would be the right thing there. I sense, and I am so uncomfortably invested in your date on Friday <laughs> night. Might be uncomfortable for you. It's way more uncomfortable for me. Uh, I think you could already tell that it was going well, and you didn't need a move. That's my read. To an extent, yeah. The conversation was flowing, and uh, there was a good vibe, and so. Kind of act on instinct after that, and the instinct told me to yeah, have a seat and it. enjoy yeah, myself. Yeah, exactly. and hey, God bless. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy for you because you want, I think. No, you're right. To be in a relationship. I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm a nesting creature, Tim. A nesting um, creature. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh, but the single life, it's not oh. necessarily for me personally. Just because, I don't know, I, I like someone to talk to. I like someone to hang out with. You know, the obvious physical portions of it are important but to me it's more than that it's like finding a person to have tough conversations with and have fun conversations with well, and everything in between I'd be, I'd be so happy for you whether it's this girl or somebody else because yeah. i can tell and it, you'll be a wonderful husband and thank a wonderful you. father thank you and that is a great great thing so right. if you found somebody and you weren't just like oh fuck i'm 37 and i gotta fucking get married i guess right 
that's a different deal. No, it's not where I want to be. Right. That's what I, I hope not to be just because I, I want to find that right person. And I want, but at the same time, by the way, if you're 37 and you're like, don't, don't get married. God bless. Good. Idea. Oh, yeah. I feel like that has changed over time from when I was 25 that especially women, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's still going on, but they hit 30 and they're like, Oh fuck. And then especially in St. Louis, you know, it's tough it's maybe less tough now to find somebody if you're in your thirties and then you may really enjoy, but you're not finding somebody who may have some children and now you're not really getting New York city. might be a different program. Miami, you know, LA, Dallas, Chicago, but St. Louis wise. Yeah. St. Louis wise. Yes. So God bless. Yeah. So hopefully everything works and I'm just, I'm, I'm, Happy, and I'm. Uh, I know, but I'm so happy because I could tell you were excited about it. So what? I was like, I really hope it goes well. Like you're just like, hey, I'm going on a date from somebody I met on whatever the fuck it was, Bumble. Bumble, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, I hope it feels good. But in in this case, I'm like, oh, you really? I can tell you kind of like her. You kind of think yeah. there might be something doing. That's yeah. a great thing. I don't know, and I know I said this a couple months ago, but I can't emphasize it enough, especially for people who are in your age range who are single. If an individual makes a more significant decision, in particular in the United States, in part because of divorce laws, but also just because of existence, than who they choose or if they choose, but then if they do choose, who they choose to marry. It is, you talk about college and career decisions and all that shit, um, you know, and what filter to use on Instagram, but God, I mean, a decision that can fuck you up and then take you down or a decision that can lift you up and then in turn lift others up mm-hmm. is that decision. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's because marriage is mocked. I don't know. I have no idea. I just don't, I don't think that gets enough attention. Right. The importance of it. And maybe it becomes something like, oh, fuck, I don't want to break up with her and I'm getting shit from my family. I'm getting shit from her family. I'm getting shit from her. So fuck it. I'll get married or married. Oh, my God. And then you're like, after whenever, or you already know it's not right. And then you start to make some money and now you're going, oh, my God, half gone. And you have kids. And now it's like, oh, you know, split. And it's, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that. That is, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to a more serious decision. Present, present a case for a more serious decision than not necessarily if you choose to get married, although it certainly would be under the umbrella, but who you choose to marry. Well, and God, if you got a bad feeling, trust your gut and go, I'm telling you, I want to drive this home. The short-term pain, especially if she like tries to make or he tries to make your life miserable. Uh-huh is absolutely worth it relative to the years of fuck-uppery you could have both financially and emotionally if you are with the wrong person. Marry the wrong person. So I, I emphasize that. I can't say it enough. Yeah. I think just by definition, because of what you said when you talk about college, career decisions, anything like that, that's an independent-to-you decision. Like, it's, it's you, and that's you're, you're the one who's concerned there. But when you're talking about marriage and being with someone forever and making that decision, who is the right person is now, that's a co-pendent decision. And so you are making a, a leap where you were kind of thinking about one person, one person only yourself for so long, and now you're bringing someone else into it. And then if you have kids, you're bringing more people into it. And the ramifications, if it goes bad, and the 
great upside if it goes well. It's such a bigger decision because it's now involving two people outside of one. And obviously, a decision like your career can affect your family, your parents, your brother, your sister. That's the thing. And then children. Right. But a decision of like that is like you are starting a new wing of your family to an extent. And now we're opening up. Uh, and, it can, and that decision could rattle for years, you know, down generationally. Oh well, I mean, it, you can still be feeling the effects of it in your 70s. Right. And then Something your that you're kids, like, God, I don't 70s. want to break up with her, so fuck it. I'm 27, and she's going to, you know, she's threatening to leave me, so I guess I'll get married. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And the whole time. I mean, there's somebody who I recall who got divorced, and I specifically remember asking this person because they were going through it when we were, and I said, so when did you know it wasn't right? And he goes, oh, so I was walking down the aisle. And I go, oh, God. It just like, like he just kicked me in the balls. Yeah. You know? That's brutal. Oh, oh. That's brutal. Oh, 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 oh. So that's why, like, in, in particular for you, like, I really, I mean, I know you're intelligent enough to understand, but I'm, I got to drive that home. Like, if there's something, like I always ask in, in sound stories, at the end, truly, and I love hearing the answers every single time, what is something you know now that you didn't know when you were 20? And I love the perspective I get on it. Um, and uh, that is absolutely, like, that's something I would say. And, and a lot of people are, like, altruistic and idealistic and all of those things, and it's wonderful. But mine are more, you know, like, as simple as it is. And I talk about it. It sounds like the live read from Mark Hanna, but get a financial advisor. Cannot emphasize it enough. I don't care if you're making what I was making in Little Rock or what yeah. Gabe was making in South Dakota. Get a financial advisor. And then that's what Mark Hanna, who's a sponsor, says. If, even if it's not me, you got to get one. And that doesn't mean you're giving them money. It means you just have an understanding. I mean, holy shit. What, the spot I would be in versus where I am. And again, it's not like I'm like, oh, God. you know. But I mean, it just could have been better. Right. And it was just dumb. And I wouldn't have, and I actually think as weird as it is, I don't think I would have gotten divorced because I trace it back, trace my divorce back in part to how much time I played poker. And I was a losing poker player and a financial advisor would have gone, what in the fuck here? You know, when you combine your income, because I was doing radio and TV and your wife's, you guys are, you know, we were in a really nice spot. We should have been saving money or investing like fucking crazy. Whether I was in my 20s or not, it doesn't matter. And I just fucked around and played on poker stars like what, you know, and, and in my 30s. That's, you don't get that back, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's one of the things, like, now I have that presence, and it's certainly arrested development. But with that, and perhaps because I learned by experience and not by dogma, speaking of religion, uh, and also I guess a lot of it's been entrepreneurial, so that also includes that experience, and also getting divorced, so that includes that experience. So I've got some scars I've got some successes and I've got some failures, and they're out there for people. Uh, certainly, I think some people have attached their own, you know, storylines, but whatever. I can't do anything about it, but I do know I have scars, and I go, okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I fucked up, and, you know, I'm not your father. We got no blood, but I, for you or anybody else listening, hey, man, here is, here is what I fucked up, and here's how simple it is to not do that. Get a financial advisor. Don't just get married just to get married. If you still want to fuck, you know, hey, God bless. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're going to want to do that, you know, forever. That's just the way it is. It's just, you know, the options and opportunities are probably going to get a lot lot less plentiful as time goes on. Uh, But then don't get married or have a conversation. Go, hey, 
hey, you interested in fucking some other people while we're while we're married, you know? Right. Um, but you know, God, I just I cannot hammer that stuff home enough. I'm not saying it from a mocking perspective. I'm saying it from a heartfelt perspective, so people don't res- repeat mistakes that I know I made, because that's helpful. As I always say, with regard to to business, you can tie it into. Um, if you were going to a restaurant or to a hotel or to a, you know, vacation destination, are you going to read the review of the person who hasn't been there? Or are you going to read the review of the person who has been there? Yeah. And especially if you respect that person. Right. And so I find myself loving surrounding myself with people I respect and asking them questions. I mean, I get off on it. Yeah. Not like literally, but I'm like, I want to hear. Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'll be like, well, I don't want to. Like Manavati, for example, I use him as an example, but he is he's straight to the point. And, uh, and I love And Every time he's going to say something, he goes, I know I'm a little, I go, dude, you don't have to worry about it, man. I grew up with my dad fucking screaming, which is fine. And I got my balls hazed off at Sigma Chi. I get psychos, you know, emailing me, you know, crazy shit. I go, it doesn't matter. You don't have to apologize. We get to save time. Tell me what you think. Tell me what we're doing right. Tell me what we're doing wrong. Don't, I don't need to be jerked off. Don't care. Don't want it. Don't need it. You know, that to me, that's, you want, you want people in a room with you who you know are going to tell you what they really think, even if they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. But I don't want to hear positivity. I want to hear the truth. I want to hear an honest opinion, not somebody who's bought and paid for, somebody who's worried I'm going to whack them, so they're just going to tell me what I want to hear. But I'm telling you, you give me the most important lesson, the most important lesson all day long is who you choose as a spouse. It's, and I don't feel like it gets enough attention because it not only can fuck you financially as a negative, it can make you a much better person if you have the right one. Yeah, and I think part of that, too, and why it's such a big decision is, like, when you talk about college or career or anything, you can ask for advice from plenty of other people about what should I do here, given this situation, this, that, or the other thing. And they can give you a probably pretty informed response, but in terms of who you're choosing as a spouse, only you know if you have that That's connection. Right. Only That's you not know math. That That's not universal. You Only you know. Only you know the little tells. Right. You know. And the thing is, you. I think you know. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe I have a sixth sense. But I, you know... You know when it's right and what's wrong. I mean, I was I had a girlfriend for a while, and I just I regret it. I mean, a couple of them actually, where I go, what the fuck? I was just wasting time, and that's valuable time, man, valuable time. Right. And I feel, and honestly, I feel badly for her too, because I took her time, and that's the commodity that it doesn't matter how much money you make, you can never get more of that, especially that time in your twenties. Yeah. Whoo, cats and dogs. Right. That is. Those are the golden years. I guess people tell themselves the golden years of their 60s and 70s, and maybe they are. I, my guess is I'm not going to be in my 60s going, fuck, this is the tits. <laughs> I know I could go back to, you know, being at the stag bar and up until five drinking with my friends and two girls are grinding each other at the end of my bed. But, hey, I'm playing a game of bridge. You know, I don't think I'm going to feel that way. I look forward to that tweet that you send <laughs> when you're on your 60th birthday saying, God, this is the tits. If I am tweeting <laughs> at 60... <laughs> You will need to, I need to walk into a room yeah. with all of my closest confidants, and it's just going to be dead silent, and it's going to be like Christopher, all right? <laughs> That's what needs to happen. If a tweet is sent, <laughs> if those accounts exist when I'm 60, yeah. something will have gone wrong. Uh, what else do we have? Remember when Aaron Andrews had an on-air fight with TMA? What was that? That's from RP. Uh, Jackson, this would predate you. I don't know about this. 
Yeah, I wouldn't call it a fight. I don't. I still. This is this is like a separate episode, and I'm kind of getting ready to land the plane. But now that it's been brought up, so I. I'll just tell the story, and then I'll tell you my assessment of it. So Anna Marie and I, my wife and I, are in Denver with Joe Buck, um, and he's about to call the 49ers-Broncos preseason game. First year Peyton Manning there. 49ers had high expectations, too. I think that was Kaepernick, actually. Yeah, really good defense. Yeah. And I think Justin Smith might have been on that team for a Missouri player. And, um, and we were then going from... Denver to Las Vegas and it was going to be something for the thing that me and Joe were working on Mm -hmm. the show and then whoever we were going to meet with in either Las Vegas or Denver wound up not being able to come and we were flying on you know he split a private jet with Mark Bulger Um, so you know he was able to travel I mean obviously that's that's a very nice way to go I am not a private, you might be surprised to hear, owner of a private jet. So I'm coattails. And uh, and then Joe still's like, hey, if you guys still want to come, we're still going to go to Las Vegas and, you know, just fuck off. Yeah. God, I got a great story about that. And if he will clear me to tell it, it is perhaps, you think you like the Salt Saker Shepherd cutaway. Yeah. This is, I don't know if I can top that. This is an all timer. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I'm like, yeah, sure, fuck, we didn't have kids. Yeah. You know, Dan Marie's in her 20s. I'm in my 30s go to Denver for the Broncos 49ers preseason game couldn't care any less but then we're going to Las Vegas I think Nelly was hosting something like it's not when he was doing the black and white ball but when he was still kind of doing you know things you'd be interested in and um, so Joe had developed a rapport with him and I think he was on our our show on KFNS actually Nelly was and he was really excited about it too so we, we fly out there and this also happens to be Aaron's debut with Fox. Oh, wow. Oh, so you're actually intrigued? Okay, because she had gone from ESPN to right, Fox. Right, right, right. And so when they travel and do games, they all stay in the hotel. Yeah. And so that's how I had gotten, I don't want to say I got to know, but I had spent time with Troy Aikman. That was in New York earlier in the year where Aikman thought I was like the employer, and he was like staring me down like he was getting ready to slit my throat, and he's going, I wouldn't do it for anything less than $200,000 an episode. I was like, that sounds good. I'll talk to the guy who's in charge. I go, what the fuck? I go, Joe, I'm not, why, is this, why is this Hall of Famer? Yeah. Like, what? I just met him, you know? And then he wound up being great, and we started bullshitting it because Joe's a big TMA fan, or at least right. our style of show, and Aikman's like, oh, yeah, I own part of the ticket in Dallas. That's all they do. Right. They don't talk sports. They fuck off. So anyway, so I got to be around that group of Joe and uh, Troy Aikman, and we were in the hotel, and we're heading over to what was, I think, at the time called Sports Authority Field. It had been called a million different things. It's something different now. And we're walking out, and Joe just being, I mean, I always say it, but I can't say I mean, he's such a good guy. So here's Aaron Andrews. It was a big deal then. You know, it's a big deal now, but a big right. deal then. And it's her first thing. So it's, she's got to have nerves, even though, you know, doing that stuff, you get to a point where you're looking at a camera and you're talking, it's not a big deal. But it's her first time on Fox, yeah, and big, it was a big deal. I remember when she made the transition, okay. it was a big deal, yeah. So we're walking out of the hotel. I hope people take I don't if people take it as name-dropping, fine. I mean, like, they really think I'm looking for their approval on my podcast. But this is what happened. Uh, it's me and Joe and Anna Marie, my wife, and uh, Aaron's walking out, Terry Bradshaw's working out walking out, and uh, Pam Oliver 
And Joe introduces me to Aaron and says, hey, he's got this show. Uh, he almost went to New York. So I, I think that's his way of, like, saying, hey, he's not some... Right. He's local, but... <laughs> right. I think that's what it was. Yeah. I really do think that was, like, the way to give me my propers right. without yeah. saying, hey, he does an AM radio show in St. Louis. Right. Just like hundreds of other dumb fucks who have reached out to you. I really think that's kind of what that was. But he chose because the show's successful, and he does this. And, you know, Missouri's going to the SEC, and you went to Florida. And it'd be great if he came on a show. She goes, oh, God, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. And I'm like, oh, cool. And she goes, get my number from Joe. And and I'm like, okay, well, that was... Yeah, Easy and super cool. But, I mean, she did it because, you know, that's Joe, yeah. and she's the new person, and it's her – I mean, she's about to go on air on Fox for the first time ever in an hour, yep. and here's me just, like, riding along mm-hmm. in the police escort. Yeah. And I don't – I appreciate it. It's super nice of him, but I – you know, TMA wasn't, like, hinging on Aaron Andrews' right. appearances. Right. If she didn't come on, what were we going to do? Oh, fuck. So then we get in the – we get in the – I call it a motorcade, and it kind of was. It was like those black Escalades, and we right. go from the hotel in downtown Denver over to the, the stadium, which is kind of close to downtown Denver. It's right on the edge of downtown Denver. Uh, and uh, and I remember Pam Oliver was in the back. It's always amazing how me and Anna Marie would get, like, the prime spots in these cars. Joe, I think, was in the front, me and Anna Marie in the middle, and Pam Oliver is in the back, and she's, like, doing her makeup. And Joe brings up the SNY thing again to, like, legit, I think, right. again, to legitimize local, me. But, right, yeah. to legitimize me. To uh, and I think Mike Pereira might have been the car oh, too. Wow. Uh, that's the one that got you going. <laughs> oh, this is just a, this is a who's who. <laughs> well, this is what happened. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to uh, to ask about what happened with uh, SNY and New York was five years earlier. I mean, this wasn't like a decision that I had made or last week. Yeah, right. And I told the story, you know, and I'm like, you know, I see, I I think now I, th- I mean, I'm just like this guy. He's such. Like, his dad would be proud of him. That's the best way I can say about it. Because I'll tell my dad about the things he does and, like, how so many people in St. Louis get... And I don't say this to, like, take a shot at others. I'm just saying Joe doesn't get the credit he deserves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some people in town do, and I don't necessarily think, in my experiences, they should. But whatever. I don't give a shit. Get all the credit you want. Doesn't matter to me. I just know he doesn't need to do the shit he does. And he does it. And he's just a great fucking guy. I mean, he's sitting on probably nine figures at this point. I mean, you know, the fact that he's even here is, you know, about how much he loves his mom. Actually, that's what it's really about. Because his daughters at this point don't even live here. Right. He's just a great fucking guy. And that kind of shows you. Those little anecdotes show you how... Anyway, so we're driving along. And then this is a tough spot for Pam because... Pam knows what the situation is. What do you think the situation is? Aaron's being brought in. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was that weird spot where for a while I think Pam was still with the A-team, but then eventually, and everybody kind of knew what was going on. I think it was covered. I didn't really follow it closely. Either way. So the last thing Pam Oliver wants to hear about is my fucking career because she's walking to her funeral, essentially. right. So anyway... We go to the game. We're on the field, whatever. I mean, I, fortunately, I had been able to do that in my career. I don't really think that much of it. We go up to the press box, and me and Anna Marie are just, like, fucking off, you know. Like, it's a preseason NFL game. I don't give a damn what it is. I don't care if it's Peyton Manning. I don't really care. It's a preseason game. We're just waiting for it to be over. I remember seeing Elway in there because he was the president of the team. And um, and just fucking off. Like, I can't wait to get to Las Vegas. Right. have a pony. Right. That's what I'm thinking. And I know my wife's thinking the same thing. And this is going to be amusing. The significant thing from that day is if you read Joe's book, we're walking out through the bowels of whatever it's called now. Mile, mile yeah, we'll State. call it where the Broncos play, and they still do play. And I didn't realize it. 
and we, I think we were walking out. We might have been riding out on a cart, golf cart. And Joe saw the woman he is now married to and is the mother of his two boys with us as we were walking out and fell in love with her in that moment. Holy shit. And didn't say anything to us because he was going to Las Vegas with us to meet up with someone else. But And it's not like he interacted with her. He just was like, oh, my God, she is Michelle. Yeah. Is beautiful and i've told him that you know I, when i read the book i'm like fuck i was with you on that <laughs> you know obviously my conversation was so fascinating that you yeah. were you know struck by cupid you know and just kind of probably nodded as i went on and on yeah and then then lisa ann said you know uh but that's that's what happened as we walked out of there so we fly to las vegas and do the whole thing and uh i don't remember taking the ride we've talked about how far denver's airport is oh, from boy. So you have a long ride. Yeah. So it's this time properly, me and Anna Marie are in the back of the probably Cadillac SUV. Joe's in the middle, and in the front seat, passenger seat, is Terry Bradshaw. And and he is absolutely who you exactly think he would be. And he's telling these stories. He's talking about, yeah, and then Jimmy Jimmy does this, you know, and he's losing this, the blackjack table. And I can't do what Jimmy's doing because Jimmy's got more money than I do. You know, <laughs> and Joe just looks back at me and just, like, smirks and shakes his head because he knows how just asinine the whole thing is. Right. And then I remember we had Terry Bradshaw on, I think, the show that I did with oh, Edmonds yeah. a couple years later. And, uh, and, I'm, and I look back on this and go, why the fuck did I say this? Like, it's so dumb. And I go, hey, Terry, Tim McKernan, I don't know if you remember, we were in a ride together uh, out from, you know, Invesco, or the fuck it was called, Sports Authority Stadium to the Denver. He goes, uh, no, Tim, you must not have made much of an impression on me because I don't remember. <laughs> like, why the fuck would he remember that? Like, fuck off here. I'm doing this myself now. Oh, but anyway, so because of that trip, the Las Vegas thing, maybe someday I'll get the blessing to tell the little anecdote. Um... We go out there. But the Aaron thing, I now have Aaron's number. I still have Aaron's number. And I text her about coming on the show. And she does it. And she's cool, but she is very, she's a gator. She's a Florida gator. She's very dismissive of Missouri and the SEC. And you could tell, like, you know, she still has the, she's still resting on the laurels of the Tebow you know, Urban Meyer era. Good run. They had a good run there. And looking at Missouri is like, what the fuck are you yeah. doing here? Right. They also won back-to-back basketball titles in that time. That's know? right. Uh, Noah season, right? Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer. Yeah. Uh, who else? He's still playing. God, I can't think of him. Uh, Al Horford. Yes. Uh, and she's Aaron Andrews. And now she's on KFNS, like, breaking down Missouri football. You know, I kind of don't blame her. Right. You know? And it was... So then I'm trying to, like... This isn't flirting at all. I'd like to think people believe that, you know, hopefully. I mean, I'm not the same woman I was then. But I'm, like, communicating with her. And I something had happened. And this was before Clay Travis went whatever direction he's done. He's made a lot more money. But, uh, you know... And I remember he had... I think he had her on. And he was giving her shit about all the jean shorts in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a... I remember thing. that was like he had the thing about like the black dress in Columbia. And oh, is that right? I, I don't thought I right. thought my recollection of his appearance on the show he was always the black like, dresses like the ti- and the tiger uh, okay. ears. So whatever. So he would come on our show too. I think that was a weekly thing, like weekly, and he was yeah. good. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was really, it was a really good segment. Talk. Yes. 
So anyway, things have changed. <laughs> um, so Aaron, I'm trying to like, so she would go, okay, what do you want to talk about this week? I can't believe she asked that. I can't believe she did it. And this only, this all these appearances only lasted a few weeks. And, uh, and I, th- and I think maybe Missouri was playing Florida and it like, that was the thing was the, the jean shorts in Gainesville and joking around. I said, maybe we can talk about all of the jean shorts in Gainesville attempting to just be lighthearted. And she can, this wasn't on the air. This was in my phone. This is on via text. Yes. Okay. And she goes, ah, why do we talk about that? Another show already did that. That would be, you know, come up with something original. And I was like, okay. We got to just move on from this, you know. <laughs> I get she was being kind in front of, you know, Joe and sure. Troy and whoever else was around, Terry Bradshaw. And I and that was very that was the right thing to do at that point in her career. But she doesn't need to be doing this. And it's not like TMA is like, we got a $100,000 sponsor for the Aaron Andrews segments. Right. It's not good radio. She doesn't want to be doing it. She's fucking, you know, pile driving me on texts. <laughs> So she never did anything on air. I mean, I think I think maybe Missouri fans might have been like, what the fuck? Because she was very dismissive. Sure. But she didn't want to be doing it. And also, if you went to Florida, yeah, right. and I don't know what year she was there. I think she's around, I don't know how old. I wonder she how was I, probably she, there during the back-to-back She probably was, or she was fresh Tebow, off of it. She inter- oh, okay. she's only two years younger than me. Huh. Wow. Son of a bitch. So I guess a little before, but certainly a fan. Right. And well, she, she had was, Spurrier and Werfel. Right. She, she, so she was there for that. That was her freshman year. Yeah. If, she, if, we're, if she's two years younger, I guess I should have been 95. Either way, whatever. Point being, she experienced a different brand of college football than Columbia, Missouri, which had a nice 2007 and 2008 and a little blip in 2010. But, you know, they got skull fucked by Georgia and the old man football thing to open up their SEC schedule and they were wearing yellow uniforms and shit you know I mean she's like this is this is clown shit you know and I'm gonna come on here I'm gonna do the NFL game of the week but then I'm gonna drop by KFNS in St. Louis to break down the Missouri game in the morning by the way you know fuck yeah. you know and I don't even think we're paying her I mean even if we were it wouldn't have mattered yeah. well, I mean what could have I mean it's not like she's like making 10 million a year but still I mean you know you get to a point where it's kind of like it doesn't matter totally so anyway, I, I have no, and most importantly of all, she was at that time either fresh off of or going through that trial. Right, right. And so I always, when people, and it doesn't come up often, this is the most I've probably ever talked about it actually. So well done, RP. Because um, this, this would be an obvious one to talk about in TMA history. I do not fault her at all because I know all the kind. I know how I met her. I know how I got her number. I know why. I don't know, but I'm pretty confident of why she did. Like if I would have just walked up to Aaron Andrews in the press box in Denver that day without Joe around, and said, "Hey, can I have your number to have you do hits to talk Missouri football?" I mean, I she might have had security escort me out. Yeah, <laughs> or been like really polite and then never right. respond to the text, which. Would be understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have that part of it, and then you also have the part of she's going through something that I think Brutal. she acknowledges yeah. was, you know, to this day, living hell scarred her. Oh, brutal. So I just, I, I I put zero blame on Aaron Andrews at all. I, I look a lot of my so, lack of self-awareness as the <laughs> culprit, but also she was just trying to be kind sure. on what was a significant day in her career. I mean, she's still at Fox, and it's, what, 11 years later? Extremely significant. And one of the most, you know, well-known sideline reporters uh, in the history of, of that, you know... Possibly the most. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for real. So, well done on the question. 
Thanks, Jake. I guess I missed that part. Not sure what that was. There's Don PP. Um, I know I'm probably not allowed a second question. However, did Jackson take a shot when he shared a room with Lisa Ann? Did she ever take a shot? Were you too scared? We never really got insight on it. Jackson, however you want to answer that, feel free. Uh, no. No is the answer. And I will, I, although I don't know, I would bet everything I own that the answer is no, and I don't think Jackson's covering for anything. I'm not. I promise you I'm not. The answer is no. It's just that's, that's if anything, Lisa Ann was shocked when she found out that you guys were sharing a room. Right. Not angry about it, right. but shocked. Right, right. And Although all... I feel like we talked about that in advance, and she might not have heard it. Whatever. Either way. Regardless, the answer yeah. is no, and that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, and and, and in, you know, I can just tell you in interacting with her. I mean, it, the, the thing about it, it's so funny when I'll talk about Lisa Ann on the show, and then people go, "Hold on, what?" Because then, like, what I'm finding now. And I never expected shows again. I mean, here I am at 47, still lacking awareness. The number of people who don't know TMA exists, who now know about it, or when they're telling me or you, I guess, how much they like Balloon Party or how much they hate it, whatever, being like, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my, you know, you know, my factory job. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of putting in, yeah. putting in time there. <laughs> uh, the one where I make my money is actually TMA. Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, well, what's TMA? And I go, I don't, I don't really know how to tell you what it is. I go, if you kind of like Balloon Party, though, you'll probably like right. TMA. Not a lot, for sure. Uh, but, you know, they're like, well, what do you talk about? Sports, I guess? And I go, oh, yeah, kind of. And they go, do you like have, like, you know, like you have Jeremy Rutherford? I go, yeah, we have him on. And go, you know, like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, and who else? I'm like, oh, Lisa Ann, you know the porn star? They go, what? Lisa Ann? And I go, yeah, she's one of the most knowledgeable people about football. For real. They go, the porn star. I'm like, yeah. But then I'll be hanging out with Lisa Ann or communicating with her, texting with her. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, whereas if I got a text from Ella Reese, I might excuse myself. Right. Honestly. Understandably. I mean, so Lisa Ann, I mean, my wife and I, the same day you wore the, the yellow mm. life preserver. Mm. Dark day. Me and my wife, and we just post pictures on Instagram. Don't even think about it. Back when I did post pictures on Instagram, you know, I don't even think anything of it. And, and we're talking to her on that boat, and we're not like, so, you know, you know, how was Raylene to eat out? You know? <laughs> that did not you know, come up. I remember talking specifically about her childhood and, yeah. you know, her Italian father and all that, you know. I mean, it, it doesn't even cross our mind. And I am a porn aficionado, an unapologetic porn aficionado. And I just don't look at her that way. Same thing with Caden. And I think it took to my wife's credit, I guess, because I'm sure there's some wives who'd be like, yeah, all these texts with the porn stars, it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to Anna Marie, this is way, because I've known Caden now for 13 or 14 years, and we're just getting together, you know, early parts of our relationship, and there's my phone, and it's like, text from Caden Cross. And I'm sure, you know, being like, what the fuck is this? Now, she doesn't know that her boyfriend or husband's cock is the size of my arm and so we're probably not you know competing right but you know i i, I appreciate especially my wife not being i mean like she's if anything kind of like anti-porn you know not like it's from hell but just like and just not her thing yeah. which i'm very disappointed in for the record but it's not like she's like well i'm above these porn stars i mean you know i think on facebook i think she posted pictures of us with lisa yeah, not as a brag but just like the same thing as she posted pictures of me with her and her with you and right. iggy Friends. you know it's just like yeah exactly mm-hmm. but then i think about it and i'm like i wonder on the off chance 
like the people who, and I'm sure there's a healthy number who would be scrolling through the pictures and going, is that, is that Lisa Ann? What the fuck? You know, similar to when we walked into this radio event in Jamaica where all these radio shows are, and then we walk and next to us is Lisa Ann. And everyone's just like, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we, you know, we would think nothing of it, uh, but people are like, that's Lisa Ann, you know. So I, I see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, it's just I, she's just like a human being, just like just like kind of the thing. I think maybe because I appreciate, you know, like the sound story thing, for example. Like I can't believe that you do that, and I can't believe you enjoy doing it. I've heard multiple times, and I'm like, oh God, yeah, absolutely, I do. I have one tomorrow. Tomorrow being Wednesday, what, December 6th, I guess? Yes, 2023. And I have one on Thursday. And I, I you do them. You, you have one. I have one five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, that's great. Because I'm curious. I'm just curious. And I think maybe the reason why the interviews I did, especially at the beginning of the podcast, because I didn't, I didn't go, oh, these athletes are gods. So, so Nolan, tell me what it was like to hit the ball. Uh, you know, it's just like, I know the shit. I don't know it, but I have an idea of you deal with the same shit that people deal with to an extent. And, but it's also, so you're a human being. And I think it humanizes people who otherwise are thought to be different. And I think it's one of the things maybe why I'm so passionate about social media. It's like, for whatever reason, those who act like complete fucking assholes on social media treat human beings like they're not human beings. And then when those people actually come back at you, you're like, well, hold on a second. Fuck you. You can't talk to me like that. No, you started the shit. Fuck off. Right. You want it? Fine. You're right. going to get it. And we can come at you with weapons that you can't possibly deal with. You want it? Fuck off. Which is why these bitches create their burners. So I understand the whole game. But sitting down with somebody to interview them, they have, you know, Nolan Arenado wasn't born a gold glove winning third baseman. He had to work his ass off and had at some point a realization, probably at six or seven, that he had something that the rest of his teammates didn't. And what was that experience like? What about for your parents? What about, you know, living and traveling and becoming a parent? You're obsessed with golf. What's it? So what do you think about the Kyle Gibson signing? You know, fuck off. Who wants to hear that? Because he's not going to give an honest answer anyway, right. you know? Right. So that's that to me. I think about it through that lens, you know. And so that's so I'm sitting with people and their life experiences. I want to hear about it. So I guess it's that natural curiosity that uh, fuels sound story and fuels interviews, and then also gives me awareness when an interview isn't working out with Aaron Andrews to go. Let's press eject and just let the lady go on about her building her national career and not breaking down the 2012 Missouri Tigers. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, all right, I couldn't get to all the questions in there, but God bless all the people watching on YouTube and listening on the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Uh, we enjoy doing it. Jackson's got a sound story in a matter of moments. Uh, for Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA for December 5th, 2023 from the Longo Biggs Studios.